Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Nosebleeds. I'm Maddie Bomonti. I will be a-hosting today for the Nosebleeds Podcast, and I am joined by a fantastic cast today. I'm here with Brian Rabax and Colin Lochran, ready to talk the end of regular season baseball as it dwindles down. Guys, how are we doing today? Yeah, uh, fantastic cast here today. Couldn't have put it any better myself. And I think this is the last nosebleeds of the regular season because the season ends next Wednesday. So by that point, we're looking forward to the playoffs. So last nosebleeds in the regular season when it's in full swing. And we got a great crew today here, as we mentioned. Let's have some fun today, guys. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. September's coming to an end. You know October's coming in New York when you start to get that little wind action, the leaves start changing. Mets and Yanks both headed to the postseason for the first time in what feels like forever together, that is. So a lot to look forward to here in New York and even on the national scale. Teams like the Dodgers looking scary. A lot to get into today. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. Specifically, we're going to start off with, to me, what was my favorite game I've ever covered for the New York Mets last night for WFUV Sports. It was the Mets and the Marlins, and it was quite literally one of the worst and best moments of my life. Uh, To start off for the first, like, five innings of the game was awful to watch. There was just absolute uh, breakdown from Walker. He just had five innings, six hits, three runs, two walks, eight Ks. He just was not the guy that we needed him to be last night. Meanwhile, Lazardo was just fantastic in his start. The Mets couldn't hit at all. But to save the day, Eduardo Escobar had his game. It was his night for the Mets, and he absolutely delivered with five runs to score all five runs for the Mets to put them in it five to four. Yeah, I mean, I would say that this was a big Mets comeback, but really it's all just Eduardo Escobar. So (laughs) it was just one man propelling them to a win over the Marlins. Five RBIs, that is quite the night to say the least. And you get three hits along there. So really this was the Eduardo Escobar game, and I know things weren't going great beforehand. There's a lot of panic within Mets fandom going into the seventh inning, but Eduardo Escobar gets the job done, and that's a big win, too, because obviously with the Braves right behind them, that would have been a killing loss, but now a big win, and you stay ahead of the Braves in the division race. Which you needed to do. You needed to win last night for all intents and purposes, and I love that it was Eduardo Escobar, of all people, that basically got them the win on his own. No thanks to Walker, by the way. He's a major question going into the postseason. I mean... Eduardo Escobar, though, can't say enough good things about the guy. Buck always says how he's a great clubhouse influence in post-game press conferences. He just seems like the type of player that other guys want to be around in that clubhouse. So for him to have this type of moment, especially in June, there was a quote he had said, I want to give these fans something to cheer about. Great way to do it last night by getting a crucial W like that. Yeah, I sure never did. bought... I never bought into the idea that he wasn't going to be the guy at third base. Like I know people wanted to start platooning left and right, and they have done that to one extent or another, but when he's right, Eduardo Escobar should be the guy in the postseason because he's been around the block. You need people like that 
on your roster and in your lineup. Well, even the thing was is when he was gone and Brett Beatty was playing his spot, there was just such a defensive need that Ed- Eduardo Escobar has had for the Mets all year, and he has just been so solid. I was shocked that he honestly didn't become like an all-star because of how well he played at his position. Uh, and it's a shame that he didn't make it, but tonight was his night. Like, truly, he gets up there in the seventh. He hits the... He breaks the lead down by two with his two-run homer. And and I think that the story of it was just he just was on his A game. He came out ready to play, and no other Met was really doing what he did. For five innings, the Mets didn't go beyond first base. Like, nobody was able to get on. They couldn't advance a runner at all. They would strand guys. They just couldn't hit against the guy. Uh, meanwhile, like, De La Cruz on the, other, on the other side had his two-run homer. Like, he had a single in that game. Like, he was demolishing Walker who just hasn't performed well in his last two starts. But the issue then becomes Carrasco hasn't performed much better either. So Walker has a 5.73 ERA over his last two starts. Carrasco has a 9 ERA. Who do you put in that? I feel like at this point you just have to put Walker, but I'm not impressed of what I'm seeing out of Walker's recent starts. Well, a three-man rotation is not an option, not with 38-year-old Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, who we know has an injury history. You can't have a three-guy rotation having guys pitching on three days rest. That can't happen. So there has to be a fourth guy in there. And as you mentioned, it's not going to be Carlos Carrasco. He's just too much of a risk at this point. And Taiwan Walker, I guess, I guess he's your guy. I don't. Would you go David Peterson? I don't think so. No, I would not go David Peterson because he. My issue with David Peterson is that he does not perform well in the first half of games. He gives up too many singles and too many home runs in his first two or three innings to make it almost impossible for the Mets bats to battle it back. Like we will not have this become a regular thing. Last night's game is not a regular thing by any standard, and so to expect your team or at least one person on your team to carry them like Eduardo Escobar did last night, I would not expect that, and I don't want to see that anymore. And his, in his last two outings, he gave up four earned on six hits, three walks against the Brewers. That's not good. And then a bad night last night against the Marlins, giving up three runs of five innings to, to, to the Marlins. Yeah, which that's, is... that's the other thing. It shouldn't be against the Marlins. You know, I don't want to see that. And and luckily, like, the bullpen had, I thought, a great night. Lugo really did all he could to relieve. Ottavino was solid. Uh, Edwin Diaz came in three Ks, did what he did normally. Like, it's always exceptional to watch him pitch. And then Drew Smith, who I am normally skeptical of, had a good closer for God, I love Drew Smith. <laughs> He's going to be a reliable arm because I don't know if you would trust Ottavino. Well, the thing is, is my issue with Drew Smith is I feel like he gives up more home runs than Ottavino does. That's the only consideration that I take in with that. I know Ottavino will give up stuff, but I don't know if Drew Smith is really the guy I'd put over him. First of all, it's just shocking to hear the name Adam Ottavino and how he's not giving up a lot of home runs. Coming, I mean, we got a Yankee fan and a Red Sox fan here. I mean, we, we know Adam Ottavino all too well. So it is really crazy how he's stepped up and really assumed a high leverage role in this bullpen, and now you can really count on him to get the big outs. But, I still don't know if I'd trust Adam Ottavino in a postseason yeah, there's, game. Yeah, there's always that lingering the fear. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, though, about the, the fourth starter, I don't know if it matters once you get to that point, because there's a surplus of pitchers within that Mets organization to where you're going to be able to mix and match like Tampa Bay did last year. Now, it didn't work out well for Tampa Bay. (laughs) That's right. But the strategy was there. It can work, theoretically. And for the Mets, you're kind of hoping that DeGrom or Scherzer gives you six or seven in game one or two. If they don't, that would be considered a failure, in which case I'm not sure anyone's really going to blame Taiwan Walker or Carrasco for losing the series, quote-unquote. Well, here's, here's the thing. That's fine if you win the division. 
But now, if you enter the wild card, you have to use Scherzer and DeGrom in two games of that series, and then possibly use Bassett in a game three if necessary. And then you're looking at Taiwan Walker has to start one of the first games of the NLDS against the Dodgers, which I don't see going too well. I, I agree, but I will also say if they don't win this division... That's a failure on the part of the Mets. I will say that much. Like Absolute, Getting the playoffs uh, yeah. is important, but winning the division specifically this year after the way last year went down feels more important than normal. So I pulled it up because I saw an analytics thing today about the NL East division scenario. And essentially the best possible scenario obviously is to go 3-0 and against the Braves. But 2-1 and would pretty much guarantee them if they go 1-2 and against the Nats after that. If they go 1-2 and against the Braves, they got to go 3-0 and against the Nats. So, to me, I'm just hoping they're able to take two out of the Braves series. That's all I'm hoping for. I think it goes back to the question that we just brought up, like, can DeGrom even go six to seven innings? Because he was in five innings at his last start. Sixth inning, he comes in, he gives up two singles, and then a home run. So it really worries me to know if he's going to be able to be even in there for six innings at that point. Well, also, another thing with DeGrom, is he going to be as effective as we know Jacob DeGrom to be? Because he hasn't looked like Jacob DeGrom recently. Well, Did he look like Jacob DeGrom on Sunday or, or Saturday? Well, the only thing was is in that same game, yes, he gave up the two singles and the home run. But before that, he had 13 strikeouts. So he was somewhat, I know Mets fans were panicking. They were like, this is not Jacob DeGrom. He doesn't look like him at all. I don't think he looked far off. He just doesn't have the longevity that I want to see from Jacob DeGrom anymore. Yeah, but then you look at his start against the A's where he's given up five runs in four innings and he's walking four guys too. That was That's bad. bad. Yeah. That's bad. And I mean, if Jacob DeGrom's not going to be Jacob DeGrom in October, this team's not a surefire lock to do damage in the playoffs as we thought they were. I've thought for recently that Max Scherzer has kind of like slowly become like my favorite like star pitcher for the Mets, honestly, at this point, just because of the health issues that I've seen with Jacob deGrom. I've really liked what I've seen out of Max Scherzer as of late. Well, Scherzer's a warrior out there. I think Mets fans are getting a little bit jaded with Jacob deGrom, especially with the the whispers that he might want to go to Atlanta. Now, whether or not those are true, (laughs) completely different story. But as far as whether or not deGrom can show up in October, he knows what he's pitching for. Now, in his mind, there's two things. You want to win a championship, but B, contract. contract. You need that contract. He knows what he's pitching for. So if there's any inkling that he doesn't have it anymore, he knows he's basically, you know, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't in terms of what he does on the mound. So if he goes out there, flames, oh, well, no contract in Atlanta, no contract in New York. If you go out there and do really well in New York and win a championship, Mets fans are automatically going to crucify if you don't stay. So either way... He loses in that scenario, but he knows he needs to pitch solid regardless. Absolutely. And, I mean, he's he's mixing and matching with his pitches a little more. He's added some more pitches to his arsenal. And it's not – clearly it's not being as effective because he's kind of shown that he's human recently, giving up, you know, having an okay outing against the Pirates where that was a, that was a very doable – very easy, very easy to salvage that outing, but he – ultimately unraveled a little bit, and then the outing against the A's is just bad. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. It's possible that Friday night he gets on the mound against Atlanta and he shuts him down and we have all these concerns go by the wayside. But if your best pitcher's not on going into the playoffs, that's always going to be a concern, especially when you're facing a team like the Dodgers. The stat that 
gets in the way of me saying he's 100%, the barrel percentage is only in the 44th percentile, oh. which means he's giving up a lot of hits straight on the nose on that barrel. The average exit velocity is in the 28th percentile. Well, that's the thing that I noticed on those two singles he gives uh. up back-to-back against the Pirates is they were just straight, like, on-the-nose pitches that I just couldn't understand why why you'd, would you do that to open up your inning, and therefore after you give up those two, proceed to do it and give it up for a home run the next guy. That's the that's the fastball to me. That means he has to mix in the changeup more. He's throwing the slider and the fastball, his two best pitches the most. I would really like to see him mix in that changeup a little bit more, especially in the postseason when things slow down, just to give the hitters a different look. If he can do that, he might be able to get back to 100% in terms of how he views this mentally too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other players that to me have just not performed as well, I think we got to talk about Pete Alonso because Pete Alonso has not been hitting as of late. He was moved to second in the batting order. He was originally in cleanup, but now he's pitting second. He's not even swinging the bat 90% of the time he's getting up to the plate anymore. And I got to wonder what is going on in his mind. He recently became the only player in Mets history with multiple 40 home run seasons, but he's not even hitting home runs anymore. He's not hitting anything. And so I got to wonder what's going on with his stance, his swing, because I saw him yesterday come up to the plate like twice, not even swing the bat. I, I can't even imagine what's going on with him right now. What is with the stance? As someone that it looks different to me in that it's not as athletic. Not to say that Pete is the most athletic dude in the world, but before you got the sense he was up there kind of crouched in that stance. Now he's like standing up straight, which for someone with his size and ability to put the ball over the fence... Feels counterintuitive, right? Like, yeah, it does. I, I feel like his stance has changed a lot uh, throughout September. I, I haven't noticed the same kind of guy. Like, he is just not performing as well as some of the other Mets. Like, Lindor has been hitting well. He's on a 13-game hit streak. Uh, Jeff McNeil is – he could go for the NL batting title. He's just, like, very shy behind Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. right now for that. He, Pete Alonso is just – I don't get why they move him to second either because he's he, – there's no – point for him to be behind Nimmo, who's also not hitting very well either. Well, Pete Alonso's numbers as a whole since the All-Star break are actually pretty solid. So he hasn't gone into a total colossal, like, wow, this guy has been really bad. But he, he is prone to the bad at bat, which can be an issue when you're facing um, facing Kershaw or Spencer Strider, or I'm throwing out names here. But anyway, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. The good pitchers in October, and if they can just easily pick apart the cleanup hitter in the Mets order or the two hitter for all we know that's a that's a problem and you hope he just doesn't become a big hole in that lineup I think this is what you accept with Pete to one extent or another where you know there's going to be ups and downs like there's times where he's going to be ice cold and there's times where he's going to be red hot because of that though you can't hit the guy second it's not like Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts or even a Freddie Freeman who has the ability to hit second because the stat cast people will tell you those guys are going to get up to bat the most. You're one and two. So I would not put Pete anywhere near that second hole. I thought he was fine cleanup or fifth even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but him being up and down like this is nothing new. Just the extent of his downs seem to be getting worse recently. I don't know if that's a product of approach or a product of a long season. But regardless, he's got to get it together. Big games are coming. Well, Big games are already here. I mean, the only reason I assume he's hitting second. Well, if Marte's back, he's hit second. As so, he should. Yeah. yeah. So if Marte comes back, Pete Alonso's not hitting second anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. But I don't know what exactly the deal with Marte is if he's coming back soon. So Marte can't even grip a baseball nor a bat right now. 
So, <clears throat> so I, me, I don't I don't think he's going to be back for I, the first series in October. No, he will not be. There's no way that he can. And if he is back, then he's just going to ask to get hurt again like, at that point. But that that all comes as a product of getting hit constantly by balls. And and luckily last night nobody got hit, which was thank goodness. Guillaume almost it's got rare. hit. Guillaume almost got hit and the whole crowd made a little gasp out of that, but yeah, no, Pete Alonso had four strikeouts last night and one walk. It was just not what you want to see out of the guy who hit, I believe it was, he had a home run the day before. That's when he broke the 40th home run um, record thing. Yeah, but, he had home runs in two straight games before that, I think. Yeah, but to see the, the, the drastic shift to striking out four times and at two of those at-bats you're not even swinging, you're just looking at the pitch— I just got to add, it has to be an approach thing. I, I think you're like entirely correct, Colin. I think it is an approach thing, and I don't know what he has done or what he is doing to change that. I don't know who's telling him that's the right idea, but it's just not working for him. Hey, baseball's a hard game. <laughs> it, it could just come down to that. I don't know. I think it's selective discipline. I think that's what this boils down mm-hmm. to is you have to be disciplined, but you also have to know when to swing the bat. I mean, look at a team like Houston. They swing at the first pitch probably just as much as any other team, and they're very successful because of that approach. Some teams like the Mets don't have the exit velocity to do that on that first pitch, so they're a little bit more patient. They understand it's death by a million paper cuts. I think that that approach is not helping Alonzo right now to where they told him, be disciplined, wait for your pitch, but sometimes you just got to give it a hack. And when you're as big as he is, sometimes it goes over the fence, and he hasn't been doing a whole lot of that lately. And no one's denying Pete's ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We know what he's capable of, and we know what he can do. It's all about coming up at the right time because we haven't seen Pete Alonso play in a playoff game before. We know he's been around with the Mets for this is his fourth season and the Mets haven't been good since he's been there. So this is the first time we're really going to see Pete Alonso and a number of these other guys play under the bright lights and you know see what they're made of. Is Jeff McNeil going to step up in October? I think he should. Is Brandon Nimbo going to be that guy? Is Eduardo Escobar going to be that guy? So there's a lot of interesting uh, questions really for the Mets yeah, is DeGrom going to be DeGrom? Are some guys like Chris Bassett who haven't seen the spotlight? It's a lot. There's a lot of questions with the Mets, but ultimately you got to put those to the side and just focus on holding off Atlanta because that's the big thing right now. Yeah, like I said, two two out of the games that you want to take, that's all you need, I feel like, to get through this. I'm sure they're capable of doing it when you have a DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett start yeah, against they, they them. Li- both teams lined up like their best guys to go yeah. this series. So that'll be it'll be like a really tough thing. Like I said, the Strider absence is definitely i That's think big. a big factor for them that they really could have used strider for one of those days but um you know they just got to make do with what they have but the mets will be taking on them on friday so that will be a really good matchup to watch but let's transition a little bit closer to home in the bronx with the yankees who have just also had a great week they clinched the division on tuesday uh aaron judge hit his 61st 61st home run last night Garrett Cole also notched his 240th strikeout of the year. He tried the franchise single-season record. So it's just been all smiles for the Yankees of late. Yeah, it's been a good September, which is really nice to say after a brutal, brutal August. But first and foremost with the Yankees, you have to talk about Aaron Judge. I mean, the season this guy's having, we it's like beating a dead horse at this point. But this season, you're you're gonna tell you can't put it lightly. You can't just say, oh, the, the steroid guys did this, but we saw Barry Bonds do this, Sammy Sosa. No, this doesn't happen. 61 home runs in a season, it doesn't happen. We're, we're going to tell our future generation about this. We're going to tell our kids and our grandkids about this. So don't 
you can't downplay what Aaron Judge is doing. You can think Shohei Otani is the, M- the MVP, but you have to acknowledge Aaron Judge is having this season. He's having a season for the ages. 61 home runs. And, oh, by the way, he leads in batting average, too. So he's getting the job done, and he's coming for a triple crown. So there's there's not enough words that can, I can put into what the season Aaron Judge is having. You can think Shohei's the MVP, but you would be wrong. Well, yeah, if, I, I, if you I, thought that, that. That's even that. That's, I don't I don't think you can. The argument's dead. Now the argument yeah. is completely so dead. dead. For a while it was living, but now, I mean, just looking at the percentiles, I'm a big stat cast type of guy. 100th percentile in average exit velocity, same deal with hard hit percentage, expected slugging. This is unheard of to lead in all those categories and come within a hair of the batting title. He might win a batting title, which he, pro- he probably ago, will. He probably uh, will. Luis Arise might give him a run for his money. I think. I think I, he's leading. He's tied with Arise right now. They're both hitting 313. That's and, that's tight. And yeah, even and Z- Bogarts is in that conversation as well. I believe Bogarts has slumped a little. Oh, Arise is 315. I guess the Twins played today, so he kind of bumped it up a little hmm. bit. I remember there was a year in 2018, right after 17, when they made the run against the Astros, where people were saying Judge is injury prone. That was the not any, not anymore. That, that this guy wasn't an All Star talent. He wasn't the guy on the Yankees. Now, now you look at it, that seems like a ridiculous argument. But just look at the litany of things that have been said about Aaron Judge as opposed to where we are now. I think the problem that stemmed with the injury argument was when he did his first uh, home run derby. I think that's mm. really what spurred a lot of this conversation, and it's what spurred some of the conversation for myself, where you see a guy play in the home run derby, he's excited. Then the second half of the season, he is just not the same player anymore. His swing is different. His stance is different. It, nothing is adding up. And so you got to wonder, well, now he doesn't participate anymore. So now we're kind of seeing what Aaron Judge looks like consistently throughout the year. And he has been super consistent this year, arguably one of the most consistent players. And I just feel like at this point, yes, you can say Shohei Otani like, has a lot of talent because he's a two-way guy. But he's not putting up the numbers in his categories like Aaron judges. It maybe if Shohei had done something like he was leading an ERA or he was just like a batting, like he was a slugger, like a huge one. He's not. So you can't make the argument anymore that he's doing what Aaron Judge is doing because nobody is doing what Aaron Judge is doing. And by a long shot, Roger Maris Jr. said that Aaron Judge should be the home run king when he hit 62. So you can't even make the argument if the guy, if the guy's son is saying, hey, this dude is the real deal. Nobody can contest with that. And so to me, Aaron Judge is now worth all the money he can ask for at this point. He can ask for whatever he wants. There, the sky is the limit for him compared to like what DeGrom might be asking for for his contract because DeGrom hasn't proved himself yet, in my opinion, with his injuries. So you have Aaron Judge, who's just been healthy, consistent. He's hitting what he can hit. He could go for the triple crown. What more do you want from the guy, honestly? And you can give me, you can give me all the numbers that he's put up on the field, everything he's done, but just the type of guy he is and the type of player he is, that speaks volume, too. I mean, the Yankees clinched the AL East on Tuesday night, and they have a big champagne celebration, and the next day... It's a total. It's a total dud lineup. They run. They're running out all the backups. They have nothing to play for anymore. Rizzo's managing. Riz, Rizzo's <laughs> acting manager. He's one to know his acting manager, by the way. Good and, for him. But yeah, Oswald Peraza's hitting cleanup. Like you know, it's a okay. This lineup's just. It's a punt. But Aaron Judge said he wants to play, so he's in that leadoff spot and he's he's in there. So this guy, he has the right mentality. He has the right mindset. He handles New York very well. The pressure never gets to him. Even when all the attention's on him this past weekend at the stadium where everyone's focused on Aaron Judge, everyone's getting up, his at-bats are crazy, and he's still, they all want him to hit a home run. He's like, ah, I'll hit a 110-mile-an-hour single. 
I'll hit a double down the line. I'll take my walks. I don't care. So he has the right mindset. He's a total team guy, and he's doing anything he can to help the team team win. If he has to walk four times a night, that's what he'll do, and that's why Aaron Judge is the right guy to be a Yankee for life, in my opinion. Imagine being the Steinbrenners in this situation now, knowing you have to pay the man. Your pockets are hurting. They really have to be, if they, be if an they, uproar if, if they, they don't sign lose him. Aaron Judge after a season like this. I don't see how they'll recover. They won't. They, they, they <laughs> will. Truth, they, they won't. They will because they're the Yankees, but That'll, it'll be uh, such a stain on the organization. Brian, that's a lot like what's going on with the Giants in the NFL or what was going on with the Giants for years before the new administration now took over where it was, oh, we're the New York Giants. We stand for something, and they just did nothing. Speaking, like That's where the Yankees are now. Speaking of the Giants, the different Giants in particular are apparently the favorite right now to land Aaron Judge, yeah. which shocked me because... Who thinks that the like San Francisco Giants have the kind of money yeah. that Aaron Judge is going to ask for? Because the Mets and the uh, Dodgers were at like top of the list as well. But I don't think the Mets are going to go out and spend that money either, simply because they're gunning for Degrom right now. And so Cohen can only go so far with his money. You got to pay the rest of your guys on your team before you go for a guy like Aaron Judge. And as much as I would like to see Aaron Judge in a Mets uniform. Are, is that really likely with the scenario and how money works? Not really for the Mets. So what is he going to go to the Dodgers? How much money can the Dodgers really have? Like, well, honestly. It's the same thing with the Mets. The Mets are willing to spend anything. Yeah. Steve Cohen has all the money in the bank. So And whatever's in Cayman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so who's to say that the Mets don't go after him? Who Every team should go after him because that's kind of who you want to play. I know the age thing and how his body's going to break down in a couple of years that's a concern but if you get what he's doing now as part of that deal I think that's a no-brainer for any team I do want to also say uh gotta suck to be the Blue Jays fan who dropped that ball yeah that ball's worth a lot of money two million apparently <laughs> estimated uh that one must really hurt I feel really bad because we talked to the guy that caught the 60th home run and he decided to give it back Two million dollars value. <laughs> do, do you really give it back at that point? I mean, you have first of all, you had to make an incredible play to make that catch. <laughs> it, it's not it's not easy catching a hundred and seventeen mile an hour home run coming at you and but the ball fell in the bullpen, which was ideally that's what the Yankees needed. Yeah. They didn't they didn't want have want anything to do with negotiating and having to deal with it. Now it just fell in the Blue Jays bullpen and they're good. They can just get that ball, no problem. And it would have been a Blue Jays fan that would have caught it, too. And you know that yeah. would have been really stingy with it. You really would have had a difficulty versus like a Yankees fan like we talked to who simply wanted to be a good guy because he's also a Yankees fan. Because he fan. loves Judge. Yeah, he loves Judge. But Blue Jays have no you know, need to give it back to Judge. Well, they don't point. care. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> I, think most of ba- well, I think most of baseball cares, but I think to the Yankee fan right now it means that much more knowing the history with Maris and Mantle, that home run chase, and just everything that goes into the Bronx culture and the Yankees culture. So, yeah, they're lucky they don't have to negotiate. Steinbrenner's are saving some money now. And listen, the Yankees, they got three home games this weekend. I'll be at the game tomorrow night. And it's it's a good – tomorrow night seems like a good night for Judge to break this record. I don't know. It's definitely – It seems like it. It's de- I mean, he honestly might do it. It would be nice for him to do it at home. Come on, Aaron. Do it for me. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> um, one of the other things I want to shift over to is talk a little bit about – we talked about starting pitchers for the Mets. Let's talk a little bit about starting pitchers for the Yankees. So at the start of the series against Toronto, Severino didn't have the greatest of starts. It was fairly moderate at best. Uh, four innings pitched, three hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Tyone had a really good start for his series. 
And then Cole comes in with six innings pitched, three hits, three runs, a walk, and four Ks. Cole just, to me, has not... He's almost becoming a little DeGrom-esque in terms of his length of game and what he is doing in the game. Cole, to me, as much and as great as he has been doing with, you know, breaking and tying that uh, franchise single-season record, he kind of almost is a little bit nerve-wracking when you try to get into those long-inning games when you're looking ahead at the playoffs. Guys, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it with Garrett Cole. It's so mind-boggling to me because this guy, when he's on, he's so good. He is so good. And you saw both sides last night. He was perfect. He had a perfect game through five innings. He looked like the Blue Jays weren't touching him. He was unhittable. And then he gives up a home run in the sixth, and he just totally unravels. And he gives up two more runs, and all of a sudden, now your night where you looked so dominant, now it's just, ah, it's another meh Garrett Cole outing, and his September his September numbers aren't great. His September numbers are not good. Before the start of last night, he gave up four runs and three consecutive starts, and then gave up three runs last night. So I don't know what the exact calculation for his ERA are going to be, but it, it's not great. And this is the home run ball has killed him the whole season. He's given up 32 home runs. That's the most in the American League. That is a problem. He has to limit the homers and he has to limit the walks. Otherwise, Garrett Cole is not going to be the dependent guy to get big outs in October. It's the pitch count. To me, it's the pitch count. I really don't care about the strikeout record. Sorry. Like, I know it's a big deal for the franchise, but when you strike out that many guys, your pitch count goes up. It's basic math. And when you get to October, he's prone to the home run ball. If that pitch count starts slowly creeping up, he's going to be more susceptible to give up that big shot that could make all the difference. I really don't care about the strikeout numbers. He needs to learn to get guys out first or second pitch, ground ball out. Say what you will about Jamison Tyone. People have been critical, but I kind of like that the guy can roll you a double play. I kind of like that he doesn't need to throw 10 pitches per at-bat to strike someone out. That seems to be Garrett Cole's go-to trick now. Fix the speeds, keep changing back and forth. You're going to get the strikeout eventually, especially in today's all-or-nothing game. I just don't know if that's going to work for the Yankees long-term and in the postseason. when Garrett Cole's going right, this guy is everything you want in a pitcher. He's by far the he's by far the Yankee that they're most capable of giving eight, nine innings, and oh, he yeah. can he can go high pitch count. He he can throw 120 pitches if he has to, especially if he's got a bunch of rest afterwards. It's not ideal though. Not, no, all. it's not. It's not. But in the playoffs, you stretch your guys out a little more if they're especially if they're throwing the ball well. Now on the other side of that, the first sign of trouble with Garrett Cole in the playoffs, you got to do something. You got to go to that bullpen because you saw it last night. He got into trouble with the homer, and then all of a sudden things don't start going your way. And you can't let it unravel like that, which is what they've been doing. So Garrett Cole, he's got to be sharper, but the Yankees also have to watch the situation in the playoffs. I think it's the same thing with the Mets when you look back at it and you look at like a DeGrom start because they are so intertwined now in terms of how they've been acting where Jacob DeGrom can go those five innings, give up give 13 strikeouts and then ends up coming back and he he gives up a home run he gives up two singles and you're wondering buck why haven't you taken him out when you saw the two singles you know this guy can't go longer than when he starts to get flustered and these major league pitchers are getting flustered and flustered so often now because of this home run ball and i don't know if it's if it's something to do with the balls or something to do with how they've been throwing but it's become so commonplace that you just got to ask What's going on with them? Well, listen, in the regular season, that's fine. If you want to see Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole give up a couple base hits and 
let them try to get out of it. That's fine. In the playoffs, every run is so valuable, so you can't let that happen. And you saw it in the wild card game last year. Garrett Cole gave up a couple of homers. Aaron Boone said, see ya, you're done after two and a third. So they will do it. But with the Yankees' staff and how their bullpen is as a whole, which I don't think their bullpen's the strongest unit in the league, not right now at least, they need Garrett Cole to go deep into games and really get the job done. And right now, there's definitely concerns of whether or not he can do that. To me, the X factor in that rotation is still Severino. Like, Cole is the X factor in that he's your ace, but if you need someone that's kind of on the fringe of being that guy, it's Seve. I agree. Because if Seve's not your number two, then you're looking at Nestor, Tyone, who I like Tyone, but he might almost be better in the middle innings than starting straight up. Nestor, Nestor's good at the number two, but the issue is he he's not that efficient, and he can, he'll probably only give you like five or six innings at most. So is Nestor your two concretely? I think so. I think definitely. I'd ha- I mean, if Seve had a better start against a team like Toronto last time out coming back from injury, of course, then I'd be tempted to put him too to have that luxury of having someone like Nestor. Well, you also three. have to give Nestor some respect. His ERA is in the two fives, and he's been healthy the whole season. So he's been he's been a workhorse. He's really been getting the job done. So he's def- he's definitely that number two behind Cole. And he's had a better season than Garrett Cole. So he's been the best pitcher in that rotation. And Garrett Cole's obviously going to be the ace. So, yeah, Severino, as you mentioned, if he's pitching a game three, it depends what Severino are we getting. Are we getting the dominant Severino that can really just dominate hitters? Or are we getting an uh, okay Severino who is going to be up and down? That remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I think it's still up in the air. I, I I think Tyone, I just would not put him in that two or that spot just because he, he is just a little bit too inconsistent for me. He had that amazing start compared to the rest of the guys, but is it long-term? Like, is that really what we're going to see out of him for most of the time? I just don't know. The bullpen is another thing with a lot of these guys coming back off of injury. Like, it's really hard to say what this bullpen is really going to look like going forward into the playoffs now. They have they have some interesting roster decisions to make because I don't think they're going to take everybody on this postseason roster. So it begs the question, what are you, what are you doing with Zach Britton? Because Zach Britton's been back, and he hasn't looked good. So... What do you do there, um, Chapman? How is he? How does how? <laughs> see, My yeah, favorite playoff it, pitcher. <laughs> yeah, but it's already getting the laughs here. What do What do they do with him in the playoffs? Because you don't you don't trust him. In Send a big him on spot. vacation. Exactly. <laughs> does he even make the roster? It's no. a question. Clark Schmidt looked good, but does he? Or do you put him in a big situation in October? What is Ron Marinaccio's role? Is Clay Holmes gonna be good? Is he going to be a good pitcher? There's a lot of question marks in this bullpen, and it's a little concerning to me as a Yankees guy seeing this team. I don't know if this bullpen's the dominant unit that we've seen in years past. I don't want Chapman sniffing anywhere near the postseason. If I'm I don't think anybody going. does. No. You've seen the same movie I've twice. Seen, I've seen 2019, enough. 2019, 2020, same kind of ending, which is a little scary. And now he's a he's not even he's a bad regular season pitcher too. So, Which is alarming because the fastball velocity is nowhere near what it was either. No, not at all. Like it's it's glaringly bad now. And he, he can't throw strikes. <laughs> That's the other thing. Which is the the big thing you need, at least in the playoffs, is yeah, you can't be walking people. Well, with him, there were times even back in the day where he couldn't find the plate, but it was just that fast you get hitters to chase. Like It would be yeah. kind of on that corner, but now it's just... you know, airmail it over the catcher's head as I forget how to speak And it's a common occurrence, too. So he's at the end of his road with the Yankees. They're not bringing him back. And he's probably he might not even make the postseason roster. I don't even know what they're going to do with him. 
Yeah, it, it's really crunch time because you got to ask yourself with all these guys coming back, like there's only so much little time they have in the regular season to really like adjust before you start and you have to go into the playoffs because yeah, the Yankees have a couple of days rest for winning the division, but then you're going to be off facing either Cleveland or Seattle. And that's a big thing you want to make sure all of your relievers are perfectly healthy for because that is not going to be an easy series, in my opinion. No, and Wandy Peralta's on the IL, but they want him back, I think, by the end of the regular season. And Zach Britton just came back. So, and Zach, Scott Efros is back too. So they've had some guys come back in there. But the thing is, the Yankees don't have a closer. They don't have the guy that you're good. Okay, yeah, get, get the ball to him in the ninth inning. You're good. They don't, they don't have that. They have it's a closer by committee, so who knows? It'll be Clay Holmes one night, it'll be Lou Trevino one night, maybe Jonathan Loizaga. There's a lot of question marks. So the Yankees don't have everything addressed in this bullpen, and that really concerns me. I'd feel comfortable having Wandy close a game. I don't think I don't think so. I, I don't think it would happen, but I'd feel comfortable with it. I, I at the same time I wouldn't I've seen him get big outs, but he's he's a two pitch pitcher. He's really got a fastball and a changeup, which is not ideal because now you can just sit on a pitch if you're a hitter. So I would trust uh, Trevino's pitch really well as a Yankee. No, over He's, Wandy? Over Wandy, Ooh, yeah, definitely. Know. In my with, opinion. With base runners, I'm taking Wandy because I've seen him in extra inning games come out there and completely dominate the opponent. He's the type of guy that can work himself Lou out of the Trevino, jam. Trevino, as, as a Yankee, Lou Trevino has a 1.74 ERA. That's pretty good. He's looked really sharp. So if... If I if I want him closing, I think I want this guy getting the big outs. But they're gonna be mixing and matching because Aaron, the way Aaron Boone manages, is he'll say uh, the the biggest situation is in the eighth inning. So, well, as long as we know be. who it's not gonna be, right? That's, as that's long as important. we know they're not going to Aroldis Chapman in big games, that's that's all I can ask for. And speaking of Aroldis Chapman in the postseason, I want to shift over and and talk about the postseason a little bit because there are some things that are still up in the air, specifically with the NL East. But the rest of it is kind of falling into place a little bit. So I want to get your feel for who you think is your dark horse candidate for this postseason and kind of what we're thinking as we're looking at the postseason as a whole. Listen, I don't think this team's necessarily going to make a deep run because I don't think they've shown enough. But they're the hottest team in the league right now, and it's gone so under the radar too. The Cleveland Guardians, they've had a ridiculous September, and... We thought it was going to come down to the wire in that AL Central. No, they've, they've just ran away with that thing. They've already clinched it, and they you want to hear it? They're 19-4 and four since September 4th. That's pretty good. So we talk about in baseball, hey, in the postseason, it's all about getting hot at the right time. The Guardians have certainly done that, so give me the Guardians as my sleeper. I really like what they're going to do. I Possibly. Re- I really like that Guardians pick, mainly just because I like a lot of the players that I've been seeing. I don't like, know how confident I am in them winning a playoff series over the Yankees, but it's not It's not going to be a cakewalk. No, definitely not. When you got a guy like Andre Jimenez, who was a great ad, like great trade to get him from for the both si- For both sides. For both sides, for both sides. And uh, they still got Jose Ramirez. They got Shane Bieber. They got Tristan McKenzie. Like, they got a lot of guys that honestly can work together on that to really, like, put up a fight, I think, against the Yankees. But I kind of agree with you. I don't know if they'll be able to beat them. But it'll definitely be a team to look out for, for sure. I hate this team. I should preface <laughs> this by saying I hate this team, but I have to give them credit. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. Every oh, year they seem to be say pesky. That. <laughs> Every year they're pesky in the playoffs. They might not win a series, but they're around. They're in the conversation. They gave the Dodgers I'm, a run I'm for their so, money in the bubble. I mean, 
I, I can't say that they're just going to go away quietly. They got the guy that can carry them pitching-wise. McClanahan is no joke. I think he's for real regardless of the system going forward. I mean, 2.51 ERA, That's I have to respect that. In terms of the offense, they're the ultimate three true outcomes team. I also think they can do a little bit of what the Mets do, which is kind of move the runners over, play a little bit of small ball. Will they do that? I don't know. But I just I always look at the Rays and I circle them on the schedule because I never know with them. As someone who watches the AAA Rays team, I'm familiar with some of the names like Wander Franco. I remember when he got called up was like going to be the next huge prospect for the Rays, like the next big thing. Also a big G-Man Choi fan. I love seeing <laughs> that guy. I love him so much. Eli, our producer, is also for, cheering for, back former there. Former Yankee. Former Yankee, but G-Man Choi, man, he is just an he's just like a favorite of mine guy to watch. Like they're definitely they still got Glasnow. Glasnow's back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a big. I don't know. They're probably not going to get a ton of innings out of him, but they're the Tampa Bay Rays. That doesn't matter. Yeah, the Tampa they, Bay Rays. They throw are openers exactly. out there all the time, which makes sense for them mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily. Other than McClanahan, who I do think is someone that down the road in his career, if he leaves a place like Tampa Bay, where this is like the practice to do like those two, three inning spurts, he can give you seven, eight in a big game. I think they're going to Blake Snell him in the postseason, but... Well, that's what they do. Right, which is why they might not win, because there is an element of gut-feeling chance in this entire equation. But I, I can't help but look at the Rays and always say, oh, they might, you know, turn some heads. Against my better judgment, I'm still going to say that I'm very intrigued by the St. Louis Cardinals team, just slightly. I, number one, think that they are going to beat the Phillies because it's not hard to beat the Phillies or to beat the Brewers. I don't think it's going to be hard. Yeah, you mentioned the Phillies. The Phillies might not get there. No, the Phillies are not going to get there. They've been losing so much recently. The Phillies' defense is so bad, like absolutely horrendous. Like if Keith Hernandez can't watch your team (laughs) play baseball like because your defense is that bad and they're just really not performing, uh, I don't think you're really going to be a postseason team. But I, I don't think they could also really beat the Brewers. I just think the Cardinals team, like, while they could be overrated at this point, I think to an extent they are very interesting. I like Corey Dickerson, who they got from the Phillies, who has just been a pretty good player for them. I, you know, it's hard to root against guys like Yachty and guys um, that have Pujols. just been in Pujols and Arenado and Goldschmidt and everybody that's on that team it's just really hard to I I like their starting pitchers I I think Montgomery like aside from his a couple bloops in his starts he has been pretty well and he's been kind of doing well with them Wainwright's always there Wainwright's been a long-term guy Quintana's there it's this old team that has this young kind of players that are really playing into it and and I think they've been kind of very interesting to watch again they would end up playing the Mets potentially if the Mets win the division but I think the Mets could handle them. This is the issue where I just think long-term they're just not that kind of team. I would disagree that they're long-term not, not that kind of team. This team is good. This team is really good. They've had a really good, strong September, and they have the be- probably the one of the best lineups in the league. If that lineup's going, that 3-4-5 of uh, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Pujols, no pitcher wants to see those guys in a big game. And those guys have played in big games, too, all of them. Pujols is a World Series winner, too. So this team, they have some pitching. If the pitching is on and the pitching is strong and it's right, it's what you think it is, 
the, the sky's the limit for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're a true sleeper. I think they can definitely win an NLDS series if they get there. My only issue is is a majority of their wins, like in NL Central, NL Central is not a good division by any standard. They got the Brewers, though, and they've, that's, han- that's they've handled it. the Brewers. Yeah, but that's it. You only got the Brewers in that. You got the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. Are they really going to put up that much of like a fight? Like when when you Whenever they play the Reds, do you really think, oh, man, they really got a tough game ahead of them. They really got to prove themselves here. Not really. The Cardinals just kind of play in a division that everyone kind of forgets about, at least in my opinion. I don't really tune in for the NL Central games. No, no one does. But, you know, I just think that some of the Mets pitching just slightly outweighs what's on the Cardinals to an extent. And I just think that, you know, while they're a really good team and I think they would be really cool to see them, especially in this last year for so many of these vets, would it be cool to see them go a little far? Yeah, but not past the Mets. I really don't want them to. I mean, offensively, they're a scary team. I don't know yeah. if anyone wants to face those guys, even in their advanced age in Albert. You That's know, a really nice case. way to say it. Or, yeah, you got to be classy about it. But the, the OBP is in top five. So I look at the Cardinals as a team that can get on base. I look at them as a team that can be a problem in October because of that. Brian, I think you said something very important about the pitching. If it's on... That is a big if. Yeah, I don't you, know you, you don't always know if Jordan Montgomery is going to have <laughs> that best stuff. I can just tell you that firsthand. Well, you never know when the first inning is going to be horrendous, and then the next five will be like, okay, like he settles down, which you can't have in October. Runs are so much more meaningful in October. One bad inning could make or break you. And for the Cardinals, I think it's important that they start hot. And since they're an older team, I don't know if that's going to happen. A lot of times young teams start hotter because they're younger. They have that energy. Look at a guy like Randy on my raise pick. He was like Babe Ruth in 2020 for all of about two seconds because he was young. He had that energy. The Cardinals are a team that's going to have to ease into it a little bit, I have a feeling. So it'll be interesting to see how long the pitching can carry them until the offense gets with the program. And obviously this picture gets so crazy if either the Mets or the however the Mets and Braves fall. Mets currently would play winner of the Brewers, Phillies, St. Louis like series over there. Or they could fall in and play the Padres and then have to play the Dodgers. Which I don't is, think you want to see the Padres either. I really don't want to see the Padres because we didn't really perform that well against them this year. It was just not really what you want to see. But I also don't think of the Padres as that team anymore. You saw them get Juan Soto, and that kind of just collapsed at first for a while. There was nothing out of that. The team morale to me has been down ever since the Tatis thing. So it's just hard for me to say, oh, this team is going to come out and you know, beat the Braves if the Braves end up in that four slot. Like, I really don't see the Braves losing to anyone other but the Dodgers. But even then, how cool would a Dodgers-Braves NLDS look? Because I really don't even know who would take it. How how cool would a Dodgers-Mets NLDS look? Well, I... Not not on your end. I don't know if I want to see that. But for the baseball (laughs) fan, that looks just as good, if not better. Yeah, my thing is, is the... The Dodgers, I also don't think, really want to face the Mets either because of the when they played them for the last time and the Mets took the regular season against the Dodgers and the Dodgers were like, oh, well, we don't care. Like, we, that's their celebration, not ours. We don't really care. Like It's not a big deal. So I don't. I think maybe in the back of their mind, they don't really want to face us either. So really, if it works out, I would, I would just love to see the Mets end up in that two slot, and the Dodgers can have the one with Atlanta in the four, and it'd be perfectly fine on my books. I think a lot of Mets fans would agree. No, no one wants to see the Dodgers in the NLDS. No, no one wants that. It's close in terms of talent between the two. I will say, if the Dodgers had Walker Bueller healthy and with them. I'm not sure it's so close anymore because I think that's the type of talent he is, especially with DeGrom not being 
DeGrom necessarily, but Dodgers are scary. They're going to put the Mets pitchers to the test, especially when that time comes in L.A. Now, if I'm the Dodgers, I don't know if I want to play in Queens. So the Dodgers having a potential home field advantage matters because playing at City Field is different than playing in sunny Los Angeles. They have their fans, but it's different. Like the Mets fan is ready for this postseason. The Dodgers fan has been a little spoiled. Different vibe. I'm not sure I'd want to play in Queens if I was the Dodger right now. And the Mets last night, there was only like 28,000 fans. It was a Wednesday night. Like not many people are going to go to the game. And for the last four innings, not a single person sat down. That was crazy to me because, you know, I you know 28,000 people, it's not as much as normal. Like there was not that many people in the first like 15 to 20 minutes. Nobody was in the stadium. And then you see just every single fan on their feet cheering for a team that is trying desperately to rally for four straight innings you stand. That, to me, is like a testament of what New York sports kind of represents at that point. Yeah, the crowd the crowd brings it in October. I know the Mets haven't been there in a couple of years, but you saw them in the World Series that year. They were bringing it. They were really, really into it. And New York's a baseball town, so you know the fans are going to go out there and just scream their hearts out and I think we can definitely expect that coming forward as both teams are now entering October together exactly and I think that it will be a really cool season to kind of wrap up and see what we're going to get in the postseason the Yankees will be taking on the Orioles on Friday and the Mets will be with Atlanta hopefully weather permitting I think the weather forecast looks a little bit better but until then I hope everybody enjoys the rest of the regular season Nosebleeds will be back for the postseason. Big episode when we get to talk about everything going on there. But until then, I will be signing off here. Big thanks to our producer, Eli Keeler, today behind the glass. Thank you to Brian Raybax and Colin Lochran for joining us today on Nosebleeds. I'm Maddie Bomonti, and Nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports.